Добро пожаловать в Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of Top Shelf, where we keep the hot takes and the hard liquor. I'm Hannah Beavis. I'm here with your co-host, Michelle J, and this is our NCAA preview spectacular. Michelle, what's up? Oh, I like that it's a spectacular. Yeah. Feels if I had confetti, spec. I would throw it. Throwing confetti emojis. Throwing confetti emojis. Um, that goes. That's re- that does really well on an audio. I, I know. I realized I can, like, that. I can like see it. <laughs> that was good. There you go. Thanks. Um, I sh- we should note that we've already we're like end of podcast form right now. We are already intoxicated. The alcohol hit like twenty minutes ago. Yes. Um. So I'm good. Um. Yeah. It's fall. It's raining. I'm wearing my PJs. It finally felt like fall today. I put my quilt on my bed. It's raining. It's cold. It's great. Oh my God, it's felt like fall for like a week for here. It was like up and down kind of here. Like it would get kind of cold and then it would get warm again and then it would get kind of cold. But like today it like rained all day. And I'm like, yes, I am here for this. Ugh, I was not. But that's also because I have to walk to and from work. Ooh, yeah. It takes me, like, ten steps to get from, like, my car to my door. So. Yeah. Not. Thankfully, we missed, me and my coworker missed most of the rain because we were watching people come in and out of our building, like, soaked. And we were not. What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking Jack's Abbey House Lager because it's cheap and it's good. Is it the same thing you drank last week? It is. I still have a six-pack of it. I just like, I mean, I mean, I also buy it a lot because like it, it's relatively cheap and it's good and I know what I'm going to get. Uh, I haven't transitioned over into like a fall drink. I think I used to drink like a lot of uh, apple cider with rum last year. That sounds amazing and I may need to try that. The, so the problem is the only rum that I drink is like Malibu. Which would not Ugh. be good in apple cider at all. Ugh. Ugh. Just get, like, Captain Morgan. It's fine. Just get, like, a mid-range. Or, I mean, what if you... Ta- what does that taste like? I don't drink pop, so I've never had, like, the rum and Coke with, like, Captain Morgan and Coke. Like, I've probably like had it in, like, wrong. cocktails before, but I don't know. I've never had it just, like, straight up. I don't know. It just tastes like rum. Okay, well, I don't know what that tastes like, and I don't want to buy a whole bottle of it and drink a little bit and not like it, and then have a whole bottle to have to get rid of. Well, no, you just get rid of it next time you come here. (laughs) Onto my shelf. (laughs) Okay. We'll try it once when you're here, because I drink it a lot. Yeah. I mean, like, if you put enough apple cider in there, you won't taste it, so. This is also true. Okay, that's fair. And that's that's a drink that's um, okay to put whipped cream on the top of (laughs) i've already gotten uh somebody texted me and they were like why did you put whipped cream on top of your beer and i was like clearly i wasn't thinking it was a mistake 
yeah, you could put like whipped cream. You can make it like warm apple cider and put rum in it and then put like a cinnamon stick and some whipped cream and some like sprinkly cinnamon on top. Could I put... You could put I caramel put sauce in it too. Could I put rum and hot chocolate? I would definitely put something other than rum and hot chocolate, I think. I put rum chata in hot chocolate Ooh. and that's really good. But that's more cinnamony. That's more like sweet. Let's Google it. Hot chocolate. <laughs> Let's alcohol. Google it. That should just be the name of our podcast. Let's Google it. Uh, for real, though. At least we're not Googling a map. You could put rum, I guess. I don't know. Bustle, which is my go-to place for a lot of shit like this. Not going to lie. Um, add some mm. boost to that hot chocolate. Um, oh, God. Red velvet hot chocolate. <gasps> Send me that recipe right now. Oh, my God. You could put peppermint oh. schnapps in it. White gingerbread hot chocolate, hot send chocolate me. with salted whipped cream that oh has bourbon in it. Michelle, send me all of these. Oh my Hold god, on. it's I'm one drooling. article. Holy! Oh my god, shit. coconut arm almond marshmallows that has vanilla vo- flavored shit. vodka in it. Frozen ah. hot chocolate. Though I don't know why you're having frozen hot chocolate with Kahlua in the middle of winter. Pumpkin spice white hot chocolate. Michelle, you're like blowing my mind right now. I'm more excited for fall and winter than I have been all season. And you're you're just reading seasonal drink names and I'm like <laughs> losing it. I just sent it to you. Thank you. Thank God, you. Bless. God bless. I can't wait to try all these. And 18 boozy up. hot chocolate recipes to make right now. Do you know how much money I'm going to spend trying to make these? So much. White gingerbread hot chocolate. Oh, I'm trying that shit. Do they have recipes? Uh, yeah, I think you have to click on them. Okay. I found it. I was just thinking today about how much I wanted gingerbread. I want to go to the store. I don't know if they're going to... See, gingerbread's probably not in stores yet. So I'm probably going to have to be super extra and look up a gingerbread recipe and try to make it myself. Wait, you're going to make your own gingerbread? I don't know. I don't know how intense it is. We See, this is more like the usual podcast. We were so good. We recorded three uh, of the bits that you're going to hear later on. Uh, for our our hockey stuff and got and like barely got off topic at all and now we're trying to record the info and we're half an hour into this and I think we've gotten maybe seven minutes of usable audio which is fine this is normal okay so we're gonna do toasts before we jump into our our NCAA spectacular and I'm gonna go first this week uh I'm toasting uh Megan Duggan and Jillian Apps for having the best freaking wedding over the weekend and i definitely thought we were going to get more social media posts but like we did not until today and then megan and jillian both posted on their instagrams like just the the most beautiful pictures of their wedding and it was like so beautiful and like the like they put like the bridal party had like usa and canada players in it like brianna decker and casey bellamy and erica lawler were there jana hefford was on julian's uh bridesmaid sides like the dresses were beautiful and like the pictures were beautiful and i was just dying and like it i would just like to toast them and like cheers to your marriage and the rest of your life together and i'm just so happy for both of you and i'm in tears and i just I can't say anything else. I'm just in tears. That's just it. Yeah, I just... The pictures were gorgeous. They both looked gorgeous. Like, yeah. I, I really want to see a better picture of Julian's dress. Because we got, I think, a good front angle shot of Megan's. But, like, 
I didn't really feel like we got the full experience of Jillian's dress, and I need to see that, like, in a color photo, in, like, an actual, like, where she's the focus. I want to see what her dress looked like. I just need it. It was so cute, though. Erica Lawler was was just being, like, there's, like, a, if you have not already, go to the Ice Garden and look at the Erica Lawler meme that we have on our Twitter account, because it's very, Erica Lawler's just being her usual ridiculous self, and there's, like, a photo of her with Brianna Decker, and I'm not going to try and describe a meme over a podcast, but it's hysterical, and you should go look at it. As I was trying to find the pictures to look at, because I couldn't remember what Megan's dress looked like, but it was um, like one of those mermaid styles, which I personally I'm just not a fan of. But like somehow she kind of pulled it off. It's not it's not my favorite, and that's kind of why I want to see Jillian's. Yeah. Um, but I do agree in that I wouldn't have picked it for myself, but like Megan is making it work yeah. as best as she can, and I love it. I just wish. These photos on their Instagram are black and white, and I'm like, I want to see them in color because I want to see what your dresses look like. Like, they, it looks like they both did some kind of a lace overlay something. Yeah. And, like, in black and white, it's hard to see what the pattern is. And so, but I'm just like, like, go to their Instagrams if you haven't. Like, if you want to cry, go to their Instagrams because it's so sweet. I love it so much. They're just so just, sweet together and so ugh, happy. It was so cute, and we were talking about it in the Ice Garden Slack, and I was like, can we just talk about how different but also amazing Anya Badaglino and Madison Packer's wedding is going to be? Mm-hmm. Because that shit's going to be all over social media, oh God, and it's yes. going to be just a wild party from start to finish, and I'm also going to be here for that. But. I fully expect, like, Rebecca Russo to just be standing there, like, live streaming the whole thing. If the wedding is not live streamed, I'm going to be disappointed. Anya or Madison, if you're listening, like I would expect some part, or Rebecca, I would expect some part of this wedding to be live streamed at some point. It'd be hilarious. Who are you toasting? So I am toasting Carolyn Ouellette, who on Tuesday announced her retirement from playing hockey. Um, She had like, she played for like almost 20 years, over 20 years, just under 20 years, somewhere in the 20 year range. I believe it was exactly 20 years. Oh. At least for Canada. Yeah. I don't know if that's how, I don't know how it worked with pros. She started her Canadian national team career in 98. And then I wasn't sure if like that was 20 years because of last season. Or if, like, this season was 20 years, so I just went with nearly 20 years. I was four in 1998. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm just, like, I was in preschool when Carolyn Ouellette started her career. I'm sure some of her Canadians teammates were also, like, five. Edward Smashmire. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Was, like, a toddler when Ouellette was on Canada. She wasn't even on skates yet, probably. No, probably not. She's a legend, a hero, a superstar. Four Olympic golds, six world golds, six world silvers, and four Clarkson cups. No partridges and pear trees, though. She probably has one of those, too. Actually, probably. (laughs) And one very cute daughter. Well, okay, can we talk about how she retired? Oh, that letter. So she wrote, like, an open letter to... Liv, her daughter, with Julie Chu, 
I'm like, I'm pretty sure just collectively all of women's hockey cried together. I am, like, genuinely crying right now as we record it, thinking about it. Like, it was, the fact that she was retiring was sad enough. The fact that she retired in a letter to live, like, written to her, like, wrecked me. Absolutely just destroyed me. Um, A bunch of us in the Ice Garden Slack were talking about, like, what line did it for us. Um, And for me... Ours was the same one. Oh, it was? Mm-hmm. Oh, so ours was, um, you know, pretty high up there. Like, basically the fourth line of the whole thing <laughs> was, um, but you arrived, lived Chulette, and you changed everything. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Like, game over. Need to get up. Like, for reference, at work in front yep. of people. Um, there was that line. And, oh, my God, the other line that killed me was... Um, so she then goes on to talk about how she was carrying Liv through the Montreal, um, the Clarkson Cup championship um, last season, or I guess two seasons ago now. The 17-8, nope, 16-17 season um, and other things. And while she was coaching, there's a line where she goes, Liv, did you hear them like me? Those girls who had fun playing and who were gaining confidence and strength through what hockey teaches us. And I was like, nope great I was doing fine again and now I'm not now I'm not doing fine at all there was like a line like where she where she like talks to Liv about how like they won a championship together and like and then she says how like like a few weeks or or like how later on she told her teammates that like you were like that she was with her when they won so like her team didn't know when they won the championship that Kara was pregnant yet like it was just i don't know well, i don't know if Kara knew yet like she she must have because she said i was so anxious to tell all my teammates a few weeks later that we won yes. this cup with too many players on the ice which just like dying dead yeah. done like oh my god oh. i can't and then like here's the th- so like um slightly off topic but also on topic carolyn will is going to like be an assistant coach with lake canadian this year and i just want Liv to like be running up and down the benches and like have a tiny lake canadian coaching jacket and just like be at the rink always and be like i i want lake canadian to win again so we can have a photo of Liv in the cup like i know i can't handle it it's too much but yeah, cheers to Carolyn Willette for one hell of a career. Just a career that's like, I mean, I, it's transcended generations and nations and like everything, you know. She talks about wanting to, she talks about leaving the game to help grow the game. But I think her 20 years on the ice proves that, excuse me, that she has done that already. I think the the most well-known Canadian player is Haley Wickenheiser. Carolyn Willett needs to be spoke like her name needs to be mentioned in the same breath as Wickenheiser. Mm-hmm. That's what kind of like a legacy and talent we're talking about here when we're talking about Carolyn Willett. Like just it's it's hard to put into words what she has like left the sport, what she's given to hockey and what she's going to continue to give like as a coach and as a mentor and as a mom. Like I, I think the only reason maybe Wick is known more is that she's older. Yeah, but and and also wildly talented. Yeah, but I'm gonna miss watching Carolyn Willette play. Yeah. <sighs> so cheers to you. 
and Cheers. Julie and Liv. So this is a little bit of a different episode. So we wanted to do an NCAA preview. We wanted to focus a little bit on each conference. And so in order to do that, we brought on three uh, college experts. We had one person do two different conferences. And so we recorded interviews with them ahead of time. And so we're going to play those for you now. So you can kind of get a big picture look at what the NCAA is going to look like this year from uh, each conference's perspective, the WCHA, the CHA, ECAC, and Hockey East. So we are going to play for you the interviews that we recorded, and we hope you enjoy, and we'll talk to you again uh, at the end of the episode. Hope you enjoy. Uh, we have Grant Salzano here to talk about Hockey East. Grant's a great friend of the Ice Garden. You'll find his writing both here um, at TIG, mostly on a more national level, but uh, he also covers Boston College's women's hockey team over at um, BCI. Uh, I always forget what the I stands for. Over at Boston College Interruption, BC Interruption, or as they sometimes like to go, go for, uh, BCI. Let's just jump into Grant is going to be our resident hockey East expert. Um, and so our first question for you, Grant, is what are some of the top storylines for hockey East going into this season after this Olympic year? We're getting some players back. Who are the, what are the big storylines to keep an eye on? Well, uh, the main storyline is going to be if BC can finally break through with a team that, you know, on paper is one of the strongest teams they've ever had, maybe the strongest team they've ever had. Uh, part of the problem that they have though, is that hockey East is so weak, you know, BU is going to be nowhere to be found. They lose you know, almost all of their scoring. Northeastern should be fine, but you know, the, the league as a whole, you know, is just weak compared to the ECAC and the WCHA. So BC is not going to have that, you know, that challenge during the year to prepare them for when they actually get to the tournament and, yeah, it's always been a problem for them. So it's going to be, you know, BC's got that talent. They've got that depth. They've got that high-end scoring. But whether or not they can finally break through, that's really what everyone's going to be looking at. You know, beyond that, it's going to be, you know, is, is Northeastern going to be able to crack the tournament again with, you know, losing their top two scorers, but getting Alina Muller in there to, you know, hopefully stem the, the loss of scoring for them. And then... After that, really, there's not really going to be anybody that's going to contend. So beyond that, it's going to be who can avoid playing BC in the early rounds of the Hockey East tournament. Otherwise, that's pretty much it. If you're looking for BU, just look like a few miles like down from you. Down? That's about where you'll find Like 2.5 miles down Count Ave. Just a little bit, yeah. you know. I mean, you're going to have to wondering. search pretty hard. You know, you're going to have to go down, you know, Babcock Street or whatever it is and really hunt to find any manner of offense or anything to show up for BU to even appear on the radar. Yeah. Uh, have they... But, hey, we have way better chicken fingers on campus than you do. That's true. So. You do have Raisin Canes. And I will not say anything bad about the fact that BU has a Raisin Canes. I don't know what a raisin cane is, but I'm just going to let that go. Does BU have, like, anyone that could come close to replacing Victoria Bach, like, at all? They do have uh, Sammy Davis, now junior, coming in uh, after she was injured last year. And, you know, maybe she'll be able to pick up the slack. But I mean, they just got so much of their scoring uh, from Bach and LaFleur last year that there's just – they had they had almost nothing beyond them. It was really a top line, and that was all they had. 
So unless they've got some really, really good incoming freshmen coming in, and they may. I mean, they're they're BU. They're you know a team in Boston that's you know had some success. They've got their own ring, so there's you know recruiting advantages there. But it's it's going to be a real struggle to find. I didn't do I didn't run the numbers, but I want to say they lost about seventy percent of their scoring to graduation. Mm-hmm. So it's um it's going to be tough for them. It is. It's always interesting to me <clears throat> when we look at uh, talking about BC's or BU's recruiting is how heavily they recruit out of Canada. Um, if you look at their Olympic wall, it's just Canadians, which I think makes it hard to look at their um, to kind of look at how their recruiting class is going to be. Sure, I mean a lot of it comes from how many players on the you know the national under eighteen teams do you have, and that's not the be all end all, but that's kind of the the benchmark that you look for for them. I kind of want to circle back to what you said about BC and how like it's the question is, is how they're going to break through that wall. Because to me, that seems like a recurring storyline. It feels like every year we're asking what's it going to take for BC to like finally break this curse. And like, it's difficult with hockey East being kind of, not as strong as some of these other main contenders. Do you have like an idea of what it's actually going to take for them to finally break that wall? Cause that was a question we got last year and we thought that last year's team was going to be the team that finally did it. And it, and then. I, I don't, I don't think I thought last year's team was going to be the one to do it. They, they just, especially once you get to the tournament, there's so much of a reliance on defense and just really just generating play from your blue line that BC was always going to be at a disadvantage come the tournament and you're not going to score four goals a game in the tournament. I mean, you'll score four goals once in a while, but you're not going to average four goals a game like BC did in the regular season in the NCAA tournament. So I never really thought that was going to be BC's team last year. I thought get to the tournament, see how far you can go and everything's going to be gravy. Um, When they lost the hockey East tournament, it was kind of a lost season because you didn't feel like they were, you know, the team that was going to win the national title. And now you're coming out of the year with almost no, almost no hardware. So it is a recurring theme every single year with BC that they, they haven't been able to break through, you know, they haven't, they haven't had the opportunity to test themselves throughout the year. I know a couple of years ago when, when BC went undefeated, somebody asked coach Crowley. Um, I think somebody asked coach Crowley, what are you going to do about the fact that the league is weak? that you don't have the same opportunities, you know, Minnesota and Wisconsin get to play each other four times a year, plus the playoffs. Um, Clarkson, Colgate, uh, Cornell, you know, they, they've got, they've got teams that they're, they're going to be battling against all year in the ECAC too. BC's got Northeastern and Northeastern's maybe a top 10 team. And that's, that's just a a disadvantage BC's going to have every year until the league really finds a way to break through. So, I think so back to going back what, you know, when somebody asked coach Crowley about what we, what we were going to be able to do is they, they were talking, the team was talking about how, well, we get to practice against the best team in the country every day because they get to practice against each other. Mm. So I'm sure that's going to be another big focus for them this year. They have so much talent on the team and they're so deep this year that, yeah, they probably can get a good workout against each other during the week, but it's just not the same as getting that, that game, you know, that game intensity up in practice and, and really, really testing yourself. 
So it's it's tough. Uh, what what they're gonna just have to do is hope that they've got the talent to overcome that adversity once the playoffs come and and win four ga- or win three games. That's what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Who are some of the top players to watch in this division? Other than other than Daryl Watts. Other than Daryl Watts, I mean, I think we're all gonna be watching Daryl Watts. I think what's exciting is that BC's got BC's got all you know the, the top players on BC. All of them are back. They've got three of the top six scorers in the country coming back. The top two scorers in the country coming back. So, yeah, Watts, Lonergan, Newkirk. And obviously, I, I know more about BC, so I can talk more about BC. But, I mean, BC is just so far and away at the top of the conference that most of these names are going to be BC players. So, BC's not just doesn't just have that top-end scoring. They've got depth in that scoring. They're going to have two lines that are going to be as good as any line in the country two of them and you know they've got a freshman coming in who uh was new england player uh new england prep school player of the year which is the same award that mckenna newkirk mckenna newkirk won katrick uh katrin lonergan won and kayla barnes won so we're gonna have the last four new england mm-hmm. players of the year on the roster and that's a freshman so you know you got the obvious players you got the obvious offensive players but um I'm most excited to see what BC's defense is going to do, not just not just preventing goals, but BC's whole MO is generating offense from the blue line, especially with, you know, Megan Keller is an animal with that. And and Callie Flanagan is is another one who, you know, we we send these players below the goal line to generate offense constantly. And BC didn't have that dimension to their play last year. We only outshot teams by I think three three shots a game on average last year, which is crazy to think about. We led this. We led the whole country in offense, and we only had the puck half the game. We didn't, you know, possess the puck for most of the game. So, you know, that's that's where I'm going to be looking is to see what BC's defense is going to be able to do, not just defensively, but you know, generating offense. And as far as players not at BC, I mean, you have to want to see what Alina Mo is going to do yes. in college. I mean, she's she led the Olympics in scoring, <laughs> so that's going to be pretty exciting is to see a player of that caliber, you know, joining the league and, you know, watching what she can do. It's, it's exciting to see these, these really superstar national team players hit college and, and see, show what they can do. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, Alina is, I think the player that I'm looking forward most to, I saw on Twitter, Chloe Arard, maybe being an underrated mm-hmm. player going into the season. Is that someone who's on your radar at all? Um, no, I am not sure where she's going. Where is she going? She's going to Northeastern. Eastern. She's playing with Alina. And uh, during one of their preseason games, I believe they were on a, a line or a power play unit together and were doing pretty well as a, as a tandem. Chloe's um, a French national team player who helped her team. Uh, fr- uh, France was in Division One Group A last season. Last Worlds, I don't know why I said season, Last Worlds, and they won their group um, promoting them to Senior Worlds this April. So they're going to be one of the two teams that joins in, in that new group of 10 that's going to be playing. Well, that's going to be really interesting to watch what she does because it's so hard to judge what some of those you know lower-level countries do against top opponents. You know, Once you hit college, everybody's, everybody's a top opponent. And knowing that she's going to be playing alongside Muller, I wonder, you know, I almost wonder if maybe she'll be playing on a line with, with Muller to just all of a sudden create a new line of offense just with these freshmen and keep what they had last year going 
you know, on the other lines. But you know, Northeastern's always been very good at recruiting. They they they've you know they obviously play in a beautiful historic arena. They have had a lot of success with foreign players. They've they've had you know especially with with goaltending, but you know now with Muller and Arard, they've got these high end players coming in from other countries, and you know perhaps Arard and Muller can replace the scoring that they lost, and they can stay competitive. Yeah, that's one of the big reasons. Like I'm really interested to see Alina play this year, is because she is she's already been in two Olympics, and she's not even a freshman in college, but um, she does play in Group B, so we've never seen her against uh, like the likes of the U.S. players, which she'll see a lot of at BC. So I'm, oh yeah, she'll see plenty. <laughs> I actually have that game, their first matchup, uh, marked as a game to watch. It's it's pretty much the only game to watch in Hockey East. I mean, other other than any game BC has against UConn, since for whatever reason UConn's goalies always seem to just stop us, but. BC Northeastern is going to be, those are going to be the games to watch mm-hmm. for sure. Plus UConn has Natalie Snodgrass, which. Um, I know. She killed us lot. last year in the Hockey East Tournament. Yes. I went and saw them for the first time because they uh, played Shenzhen in a preseason game. And honestly, like the goaltending didn't super impress me, but I don't know how much of that is because they were playing against like professional level, like players. Right, but Nat, like you give Natalie the puck on the wing and like any semblance of space, and she's just gone. It's beautiful to watch, and she's not the only good player on that team. Like they've got some good depth. The power play is super good. I'm really excited to watch them this year. Yeah, they UConn was. I mean, they got to the Hockey East Championship game last year, so UConn has, has been on the way up. And Snodgrass was obviously a part of that, a big part of that last year. She's, you know, there's there's some players where. You don't you don't look at the numbers. You don't look at the names on the jersey, and you see someone with the puck, and you're like, "Wow, who's that? I like her. She's very mm-hmm. good." And and Snodgrass was one of those players. And and you know when BC lost UConn in the hockey semifinals last year, it was it was she was a major part of that. And she's she's a sophomore now, so she's going to be at UConn for a while, and she's going to only get better. And the team is probably only going to get better around her. She's she's the kind of player you can build a roster around. Mm-hmm. So you know. While Northeastern is that team to beat, there's a big there's a big dogfight, ha, dogfight below them, <laughs> below them to you know figure out who's going to be that next team below below you uh, Northeastern and and challenge Northeastern for that spot below BC. UConn is, you know, one of the teams that you could really see making a run the next few years as to being a being a talented team, maybe trying to crack that top ten. Um, they'd really have to try and clean up against the rest of the conference and maybe steal a game for BC here or there, but they've got talent uh, and they, they are on the, on the rise. Do you think that's the biggest upset potential? That's one of our next questions. Which team do you think has the biggest opportunity to maybe surprise some people this year? Well, I, as a BC supporter, uh, <laughs> I always hate playing UConn. I mean, you, you, you would think me going to say BU, but I always hate, having to play UConn they're just they just for some reason we always we never can score when we're at Frida's especially their goalie always stands on their head um so you know it's funny because UConn ended up seventh in the conference last year but they weren't the seventh best team in the conference you had for a while it was it was three through eight and really actually a three through nine for a while were battling for position the whole you know season and, and UConn kind of dropped down at the end, but 
it was it was only separated by a couple points here and there. So if I'm BC, other than Northeastern, the team that I really don't want to play is going to be UConn. You know, anybody, any team that's got a player that can take over a game like Snodgrass is 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 one who can steal a game against you. And so now that BU doesn't have Bach, doesn't have the four. I hated playing BU. Anytime Bach stepped on the ice, I, I felt like we were going to give up a goal. I mean, she was just incredible. Uh, she was terrifying to play against. And Snodgrass was just a freshman, and she was already the kind of player that you notice on the ice. So you can just tell that over the next few years, she's going to be the, that kind of player. So I would say UConn is the one that would be the most likely to score an upset and you know take some points from BC. I feel like I already know the answer to this question, but our last question for you is who do you think the best team in the division is going to be? Well, it's, it's it is BC. Be it's you, not an, be you. It's, <laughs> Hey, you know, you're going to be really like, sad. Yeah. You're going to be really sad when BU misses the Hockey East tournament. I'm the first one to call that oh, that I BU know. is missing the Hockey East tournament this year. But uh, I mean, it's 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 not an opinion thing. I mean, BC is just so far and away better than everybody else, and it's it's just, you know, a matter of can BC win those three games once the NCAA tournament comes? And in the meantime, can they get themselves a seed to avoid, you know, potentially if, if one of the big four, Clarkson, BC, Wisconsin, Minnesota, if one of them somehow doesn't end up in the top four, if BC can get that number one seed, avoid playing them in the national semifinals, you know, you get one one less real big, trip up game in the tournament that's what it's going to be is is how far can bc go no one's no one's beating B, bc for the regular season title it's not happening um and i don't think anybody's going to debate that mm. sorry <laughs> i don't i think you're right i mean i just don't think in terms of depth like i mean yes you've got stars like natalie snodgrass and alina mueller on these other teams but like in terms of actual star power and depth like there isn't a team that can match up with BC, and they're getting some of their Olympians back too. Like they're just stacked. Yeah, they are stacked. You know, three Olympians is one thing. Three Olympians all on the blue line, which is where we generate all our offense from, is you know another thing entirely. So yeah, anybody anybody could steal a game from BC this year. I mean, I would be surprised if BC went undefeated and untied. I mean, it would. It's just it's a long season. Anybody can steal a game from anybody, but. At the end of the you know at the end of the day over the course of a season nobody's gonna nobody's gonna be within ten points of BC at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Michelle, anything else you want to add? Well, yeah, I was just gonna ask. Um, so one of the biggest I'd say question marks across Hockey East is goaltending. I mean, especially looking at BU, nope, BC, and Northeastern. The top two teams in the conference have the top two question marks and goal. Yeah, I mean, like last season, Northeastern saw uh, Brittany Bugaleski pretty much fail and lose her crease to a freshman. Um, sucks to say that, but it, she did. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone saw that coming. Is it? Is, did you say your name, Aaron? Frankel? Aaron Frankel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Frankel stood on her head, but I know we keep harping on this, but last season was a centralization year, and so. Hockey East had maybe a little more parity, even if it didn't show, solely because BC didn't have their three or four uh, Olympians. So, you know, it was easier for Aaron to come in and step up. But between Northeastern having a question mark and BC having a question mark after losing Katie Burt to graduation, where do you see both of those teams going? For Northeastern, you know, 
don't want to say it can't get any worse. It makes it sound worse than it is. But both Bugowski and Frankel are too talented to be bad goaltenders. I mean, Bugowski was the USA U18 starting goaltender. She's very good. Maybe, you know, you, you everybody knows goalies have their have their funks. And especially, you know, when, when you're not in a professional level. I mean, this is college hockey. You know, nobody is perfect. And, yeah, she lost her starting job there at the end of the year. But you don't know what these players go through in the offseason to, to train. You don't know, you know where they end up. So while it was bad last year and while Northeastern's goaltending situation is the same that it was last year, um, I would think that at least one of them is going to is gonna really find the game. And, like, Frankel found the, found her game last year and, and was the goalie last year mm-hmm. at the end of the year. Um, that's not to say that Bugalski might not take it over this year because she, she is talented. She, she does have that national team pedigree. And, obviously, it's just a preseason game, so, you know, you can't really look too much at that. But Bugalski, you know, played much better than Frankel in the preseason game. Does that mean that all of a sudden it's Bukowski's job back? I don't know. I'm sure there's going to be some kind of a timeshare at the beginning of the year. Um, but as as not great as it was last year for Northeastern, they they will improve their goaltending this year, I would say, just, just by the fact that they've got two talented goaltenders who are going to have another year under their belts. Um, there's going to be pressure to be that goalie to perform. So someone's going to step up. They're talented. And then as for BC, you know, they, they lose Katie Burt, who was just, you know, four-year starter. BC, that's what BC does. They, t- they stick a freshman in there, and they play her four years. It's been that case all the way back to Molly Schaus. So, yeah, losing Burt is going to hurt. But at the same time, we also – ha, rhyming. <laughs> we also, at the same time, we you know, we bring in really talented freshmen to fill that role. And we have always and, – and obviously it's not going to be – that way forever. Knock on wood, we've been successful in freshman goaltenders, but we bring in goaltenders who are so talented that, yeah, they can step into the college game. So, you know, BC's got Maddie MacArthur coming in as a freshman who I would expect to take over that starting role right out of the gate. She's a she's a Canadian national team starting goalie. U18, excuse me, U18 starting goalie who, yeah, the U18 team didn't win against the United States, but as a goalie, that meant she faced a lot more shots. <laughs> so, you know, she she's been she's been peppered by the United States for the last couple of years. Uh, I am not that concerned about BC's goaltending situation. And and actually, besides MacArthur, you have Kelly Pickering coming in, who uh, played in uh, prep school in, in uh, I forget if she played for I want to say Nobles, but she played uh, for, in prep school in New England and was outstanding. I mean, her numbers were gaudy just crazy numbers and she's coming in as the really the number two I would say and and she's anywhere else you would think oh wow she's probably gonna start so BC's got that talent and goal to just fill in and yeah it's a question mark because you you're replacing somebody who is getting looked at by the U.S. national team and Kate Burr and that's you know that's that's gonna be a tough role to fill but given our success and giving given the coaching staff's success in filling these roles with graduating players with, with incoming freshmen, you know, they'll, they'll figure it out. And plus the goal is not going to have to do all that much. at least. <laughs> so she'll have a whole season to prepare before the tournament comes and actually has to face real teams. That is true. I mean, when you have, when you have the defenders, you do, it's not really as big of an issue. Right. Grant, is there anything else you think is important to note before we let you go? Yes. Uh, <laughs> 
if and when BC wins the national title, um, I am going to be streaking through the city of Boston oh, with uh, with the national championship banner in, in both hands. My wife is over here telling me I'm not. <laughs> so we'll post the date of that so everybody can hide. I thought, you were, gonna, I thought you were going to say watch, but I think hide is more appropriate. <laughs> yes, I will be yeah. hiding. I, I do think no that offense, if BC's ever going to win a national title, it's going to be this year. And um, I've been waiting for a long time for it personally, so I can't imagine what the coaches and the players are, are going to be feeling if they get there. So mm-hmm. that's that's what's going to happen. This is BC's year. Well, thank you so much for giving us the rundown of BC and Hockey East and everything that's going on this year. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I'm always excited to talk about it, especially with the season starting. It's like, oh, I get to start talking about hockey again. So it's a thrill. Can't wait. We have Grant again, back to talk about the ECAC conference. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Salzano14, S-A-L-Z-A-N-O-14 on Twitter. Uh, we've got Grant back, and he's going to talk to us about the ECAC as well. So, Grant, we're going to give you kind of the same rundown as we did with Hockey East and start by asking you what some of the top storylines are in the ECAC this year. Yeah, yeah. all right, Eastern Hockey. Um, Well, the top storyline is going to be how Clarkson is back-to-back defending national champions and somehow is even better than they were last year, Um, which is amazing. Clarkson is getting incredibly good this year. Now, the only problem Clarkson is going to have is, you know, they don't have national team players coming back like the other big, big four teams do, but they are really good and not only are they really good because they didn't lose you know a super high amount of scoring but they brought in uh they brought in really talented players with transfers which is kind of surprising it's not something that's really done that often in women's hockey but you know taylor sanferrano coming in from quinnipiac who didn't play last year but was a point per game player at quinnipiac which by the way is incredible because quinnipiac basically tries not to score and they still had a player who put up a point per game. So, and that player's going over to Clarkson now who's actually really good. So mm. that's going to be pretty scary. You know, they, they're getting a player of, of that caliber over there. And then their biggest weakness was going to be replacing Shea Tiley and goal. But that weakness is now a strength because they've got Cassidy Save coming in from, yeah. from Ohio state. So all of a sudden this team that looked like, oh, maybe they've got this big weakness in goaltending and, you know, maybe they're going to be a step behind the other teams because they don't have national teams players coming in, pick up a big time forward transfer from another school and pick up a big time goaltending transfer. So given that they just won the national championship and that they, they picked up these additional pieces and didn't lose that much to begin with, boy, they are looking really good again. I feel like the Cassidy Suave transfer was Perhaps the biggest crazy story, the biggest story of the mm-hmm. offseason, the biggest player-related story of the offseason. That's what I was trying yeah, to say. Yeah, I'd have to say so. I mean, it, it, when you look back at it now, I mean, it, it makes sense that it happened. I mean, she graduated from Ohio State. She's a grad student now. So she's free to go wherever she wants. And she's free to go somewhere where she can try and win a national title. What better to go than the team that won the last two national titles, who, by the way graduated their senior goaltender and needs a goaltender. So it all, it worked out for them in that, you know, Clarkson had a scholarship to give, obviously had two scholarships to give, but they had that scholarship to give for her to come over there and 
yeah, that was pretty big news. You were thinking, oh, good, maybe Clarkson might, you know, have have a chink in the armor. And nope, they don't. <laughs> the fact that we've stayed on topic for this long is kind of a miracle because usually at this point we've gone on some tangent and fallen down a Wikipedia hole or whatever. Well, that's because I'm having, you know, apple cider and not, you know, something really off the top shelf. <laughs> that's also, that's very fair. It's funny because uh, we're called top shelf and we're like, oh yeah, we drink top shelf liquor and like... I buy the cheapest beer and the cheapest wine I can find in the store frequently. We don't make enough money to buy the really good stuff. One day we will. This podcast is going to take off, and then you'll be able to get the real top shelf, top shelf stuff. Uh, it already Wait. has. People have bingo boards about us, Grant. Get with it. <laughs> We're kind of Once a big fucking starts deal. rolling in? I really want to get a sponsorship a sponsorship with the Top Shelf Cookies, which I know isn't alcohol, but it just feels like that's a partnership that's meant to be... Cookies are basically alcohol in solid form. <laughs> uh, I love it. Okay, let's. We we've gone on topic for so long. Who are some of the top players to watch in the ECAC? Cassidy Sabe obviously is going to be one of the top goalies. Who else should we be keeping an eye on? Well, definitely the the top scorers returning to Clarkson are the ones to watch. Lauren Gable was, um, you know, she's. The only player, the, the top player who didn't play for BC in scoring, and then Elizabeth Jaguer, who was a freshman last year, uh, as well. They were the top scoring players that didn't play for Boston College, so they're obviously the ones to keep an eye on. Um, I would like to see who Clarkson has to replace uh, Savannah Harmon, who was the was one of their Patty Caz finalists, and was you know all the Clarkson people just spoke so highly of her. I mean, she basically was the engine that made that team run, according to them. So I'm looking forward to see who steps up for in her place. Um, but other than, otherwise, you know, it's it's those top scorers for Clarkson. You know, how much are they going to be able to do against the bottom of the ECAC? Are they going to be able to, you know, stay ahead of the rest of the conference, keep carrying that offense? And, and I, too, really want to see what someone like Sam Ferrano can do in a team that, uh, has a functioning offense. So that'll be fun to see. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wanted to ask because the, the preseason poll has come out of uh, the top 10 teams in the nation. And Colgate, who was second in the NCAA last year, is ranked fifth. What what has changed so dramatically in this offseason that you think that, that drop has occurred? Well, Colgate was never the number two team in the country last year. You know, they They were second in the last poll because they got to the national championship game, which there's no taking that away from them. That's amazing, especially from a team with really not much of a history in the sport, you know, as, as Colgate. So, so yeah, they dropped down to fifth. I'm actually surprised that they remain in fifth. I think they're going to take a bit more of a step back than that. They lose a lot of their scoring Uh, of the, of those top teams, they lose more than pretty much anybody else in that top 10, as far as goals lost. So, and and it's not just top players is the problem for them. They lose several players who were real contributors for that team. So it's, it's a lot of not just goals, but a lot of minutes and Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, just ice time that they're going to have to replace. And they've brought in a surprising number of, you know, uh, national U18 players of the last couple of years. So they've, they've got kind of a core to build around with that, that of these young players that are going through their system now, but it, it's going to be, it's going to be a step back for them. And of all of the teams that really benefited from the Olympic year, they're the team that 
really benefited from the Olympic year. You know, Clarkson Clarkson tends to have you know more Canadians on the team. Um, you know, they they didn't have anybody on the um, the American team, on the American national team. They had I forget who it was on the Canadian national team two Olympics ago. So you know, they they've got that pedigree. And yeah, they didn't lose anybody in the last Olympics, but Colgate as a team, you know, they, they were, they were a deeper team and have the, the real top end players. So they, I feel like they, they really benefit from, from that Olympic year. So when you combine that with the fact that they lose so much talent, they lose so much, so many minutes on the ice, they're not going to be out of the tournament, but they're not going to be, they're not going to be the, the best of the rest in fifth, you know, a best of those non big four teams. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's, that's where I see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, biggest upset potential in the ECAs? It's kind of hard to say Cornell as you know upset potential because they're they're good and they made the they they were the first team out of the tournament last year. Um, but if anybody who's is really going to threaten Clarkson and and battle Clarkson for the top spot in the ECAC this year, it'll be Cornell. Cornell's got uh, they have, I think it's. Uh, is it Andy Hart coming back to Cornell? That one of the Canadian Olympians? I can't remember if it's Cornell or Clarkson, so maybe I'm just totally wrong. But um, they are very good. They lose, I think it's 10% of their goaltending graduated. That's it. They return 90% of their of their excuse me of their scoring. So that combined with, I think they have that Olympian coming back. My memory's uh, failing me. Is she, was she Cornell? Yeah. Okay. Good. So I wasn't making that up. Good. I'm, so they've they've got an Olympian coming back. They've got um, a player coming back who was um, a two-time first-team All-New England prep school player. It's one of their freshmen. So they've got a, kind of an influx of talent coming in here, and they, were, they weren't they were that far back of Clarkson last year in the first place. You know, they were only six points back in the league, which is you know pretty impressive when you consider that that's third in the conference. So with Colgate taking a step back, I think they're going to earn some points there. And... They've got some talent there. I think they have a shot to, you know, win the league if they if everything kind of goes their way. I don't think they're going to. I think Clarkson's just way too good. But if any team is going to really threaten Clarkson, it's going to be Cornell. Does Harvard uh, have a chance? Go ahead, Michelle. Oh, I was going to say, uh, I should just note that Mika Zandy Hart was actually cut from Canada. Well, before same the Olympics. She's back. But, yeah, she's she'll back be back. On the, and on the Cornell is, team anyway. Yeah. Uh, does Harvard have a shot at making some noise this year? Maybe. I don't know, man. <laughs> Harvard, Harvard. Uh, I kind of feel bad. I mean, I don't feel bad for Harvard because I don't like Harvard, but it's just so weird seeing some of these, you know, real blue blood programs just fall into into nothingness. You know, Harvard. Harvard was there every single year in, in my day not to date myself here but in my day bc didn't beat harvard ever when we beat harvard in the in the my freshman year in the in the bean pot semifinals and triple overtime it was like the biggest thing that ever happened to our program and now god bc plays harvard I mean, we, we scored eight goals on them a couple of years ago and it's you know it hasn't really changed much. they were 500 in the ecac last year and it's like are they gonna come back you know you don't know. I mean, they're, they're Harvard. You would think that their recruiting is going to be fine. And yet they just, they haven't come back since their big drop over the last few years. You know, a team like UNH, who is a blue blood program forever, 
you have a harder time seeing them come back because they're, you know, they're a team up in the middle of nowhere. They're not really a big name school outside of the sport. So, you know, it's going to be harder to persuade good players to go there, but it's, it's Harvard. <laughs> you would think that they're going to come back at some point. So if it's going to happen, it's not going to be this year. I mean, Clarkson and Cornell are going to be so far ahead of them. Col- they're not going to, you know, Colgate's not going to drop to them. I think St. Lawrence is going to be a little better than they were last year. The ECAC as a whole is just so deep that, yeah, Harvard might challenge to, you know, get whole mice in, in the ECAC quarterfinals this year, but it, it's hard to make a one-year jump from being 500 in the conference to being an elite team in the conference. So, yeah, if they've got the right recruits, they'll start working their way back, but they're not they're not going to be back in one year. Well, we'll see maybe down the road, but I guess not this season. Uh, again, I think I know the answer to this question, but who's going to be the best team in this division? I think Clarkson. I think Cornell is more likely to, you know, get up there with Clarkson than Northeastern is with BC and Hockey East. Uh, but it'll be Clarkson. I mean, they're number one in the country for a reason. They won the national championship the last two years for a reason. They've got the coaching. They're good over the course of a year. Uh, yeah, the ECAC is a battle, but uh, I think over the long run, it's going to be Clarkson that's going to take the conference. Maybe the better question is, who's going to come in second? I think Cornell. I'm reasonably confident it's going to be Cornell. You heard it here first. Yep. Breaking. Well, not breaking. Breaking prediction. Was that breaking prediction? What? Yeah. Instead of breaking news, breaking prediction? Breaking prediction? Oh, um, Clarkson will not win the national championship this year after winning their last two. And I know they're number one, but they won't. Who will win? (sighs) Don't make me say BC because then I'll jinx it. You you said last Clarkson's not going to win and then not say who's going to beat him. Well, it'll either be BC or Minnesota or Wisconsin. It ain't going to be anybody else. I'll just say BC. Screw it. Because if we don't win this year, I don't know if we're ever going to win. So I'll just say BC. (laughs) Guys, Mm. what if BU wins? If BU wins, I quit. And I never, yeah, I never go on the internet again. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the most ridiculous thing I could do if BU wins. Like, that's, I don't even know. I just don't Everybody even know. Everybody owes me Every day to remind me before I block, until I block you. <laughs> I, I would be that upset if, B, if BU won any game against BC this year because I, I think BU really is not good. Not to, not to get too far away from the ECAC, but boy, BU is going to have a tough time this year. We could talk about BCBU forever, but uh, Michelle, unless you've got anything else to add, you want to wrap this up, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Grant, thanks for coming back talking to ACAC. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we have uh, Katie Mannon, who's one of our newest uh, Ice Garden writers, here to talk about uh, CHA, or College Hockey America. Katie is going to talk to us about our CHA conference. Before we get into things, Katie, are you drinking anything Ooh. tonight? Yeah, I'm drinking a Saranac pumpkin ale. Ooh. Everybody's yeah. very, like, fall spirity with their drinks tonight, and I am not. I'm just drinking Jack's Abbey House Lager like I typically am because it's cheap and good. Yeah, I just got red wine. But you're making me want to go to the liquor store and buy every pumpkin-flavored cider I see. Yeah, the other day when I was at the I was at the beer distributor because they don't sell like 
Um, they don't sell alcohol, like they don't sell beer in Pennsylvania anywhere besides beer distributors and like three grocery stores. And so I was at the beer distributor and I was like, I think it's time because it was like pouring rain and like windy. I was like, it's mm. time. The, the, the universe is telling me it's time to go. <laughs> it's that fall season. Like it's just an internal, like it's calling you. Yeah, it's a vibe. Let's jump into the hockey stuff. So, Katie, we want to know from you, what are some of the top storylines that we should be keeping an eye on in the CHA this year? Sure. So the CHA is kind of a a lopsided conference, right? Like, you look at the standings and you can tell that it's really not um, – it's not like a powerhouse conference. It's not like there's a ton of competition top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the most – sort of compelling storyline is going to be if Mercyhurst and Robert Morris are going to continue to be as competitive with each other. You know, they spent all last season sort of jockeying for that spot in the national rankings. Robert Morris beat Mercyhurst by two points for the regular season championship, and then Mercyhurst, you know, spanked him for the <laughs> the, <laughs> the CHA champion, like the, you know, the tournament. So I think that that's the most interesting um, storyline, but I also think it's worth keeping an eye on teams like Syracuse and in Penn State because they are obviously looking to get out of you know finishing every season below 500 and you know mm-hmm. taking advantage of the two teams that lost a lot of players uh, you know they might be able to to come out on top of them. Syracuse was a team I remember last year thinking like could maybe take a like have an opportunity to be up in that top sphere of the CHA. Is that something that maybe this year like maybe I think I think if they're really really good and they have a really fast start out of the gate, I think that that's important because I think the thing with Mercyhurst and Robert Morris is you know Robert Morris lost Brittany Howard and they lost Elijah Milne Price. Like those are two players who it doesn't matter how many good players you have, you, you can't like replace them. They're like in that upper echelon in terms of specifically in the CHA. Um, and Mercyhurst lost some some good people too, and I think that they're going to sort of spend the first games of the season sort of figuring out how to fill those holes in the lineup. So that's a time for teams like Syracuse and Penn State, but mostly Syracuse to say, you know, we're going to push really hard in the beginning and they can sort of get a foothold at least while the Mm -hmm. other teams get their balance. Speaking of Brittany Howard leaving, who are some of the top players now to watch this year? Because I think last year Brittany Howard was the big name in the CHA. So who should we be keeping an eye on instead? Yeah, um, well, I think Robert Morris still has a real, like, you know, depth of talent. They've got J.C. Gabbard, they've got uh, Kirsten Welsh. Those are two players who, you know, it helps having Brittany Howard on your line, but, you know, individual performance gets is what gets you called into Canada's camps, and both of them have gotten, you know, recent Canada call-ups. Um, I think Allie Monroe from Syracuse is mm-hmm. also uh, a really good player to watch. Uh, she is a two-way defenseman. She won the defenseman award in 2017 for the CHA. And she kind of had a weaker season last year, um, but her freshman season, not her freshman season, her sophomore season was so good. I think that uh, she should be able to bounce back. Um, and then Natalie, I think it's Heising, maybe Hazing, not 100% sure. Uh, she was rookie of the year last year. She's American, which is great. We love to see it. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think that she could be good. It's just it sucks because she plays for a team that's really struggling to kind of find their way. Um, but I think that if she you know, puts them on her back as a sophomore in college, anything could happen. 
What team is she on? Oh, she's from Penn State. Okay. She's in the uh, USA Hockey Pipeline too, right? She was at the yep. um, U22 series camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she was, and she was brought home the U18 gold Ooh. in 2016 and 2017. So she's a, she's a good player. It's just, you know, you can only do what you can do on the teams that you're on. Not that Penn State isn't great, but, you know, you know what I mean. I mean, when you're in a division with, like, Robert Morris and Mercy Hurst, who are, like, perennially at the top of the conference, like, there's only so much you can do. Right. And I think that, like, with other conferences, um, you know, where you've got Wisconsin and other talented teams in the conference, everybody sort of has to jockey with each other, whereas, like, being really good in the CHA still just scrapes you into the NCAA tournament, you know? Right. Right. So I think that it's sort of a complicated thing to balance is like you can be really good, but are you still playing on the level of these other teams? In terms of biggest upset potential, do you think it's maybe Syracuse who's got the biggest chance at, at making some waves? Does Penn State have a shot? Like which team do you think we could be most surprised by this season? I think it would almost definitely be Syracuse. If it's going to be anybody, it's going to be Syracuse. Um, I think that. They've got a lot of young talent. They just got a new coach who played for Syracuse and um, got them to the CHA tournament a couple of times while she was playing there. Um, I think that they've got a young, ambitious team. It's just a matter of converting. They're playing like a really intense out-of-conference, you know, some intense out-of-conference games this year. They're playing against Boston College. They're playing against Clarkson. They're playing against Wisconsin. So, like, if they're going to prove that they're good, you know, those are the teams you're going to prove you're good against. That's such an interesting schedule to, like, pick those, like, the best of the best to play against. It's, it's honestly, when I saw it, it struck me as a little bit bizarre. Not that I don't think that, like, it's good, but it's also just kind of, like, since you want to sort of gauge up to that, you know, like, very yeah. slow, move your way up. You don't want to go and be like, yep, time to play Wisconsin. Time to play Clarkson. <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> that's that's the natural next step in our evolution but like i mean i guess to each their own go big or go home i guess but like at the same time like are you sure like yeah I mean, just go home <laughs> <laughs> just go home well guys we did our warm-ups uh i'm having some second thoughts about this let's just get back on the bus honestly i think that like if i you know, I went to school in Western New York. I went to um, Geneseo, which was not like a women's hockey school at all. But I, if I'm from like Syracuse, New York, I've driven through Syracuse. If I'm from Syracuse and you go to like Wisconsin and you go to play in that rink, like that must be just the scariest shit. Am I allowed to curse? <laughs> I just, I, am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Oh, hundred percent. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. But like to go to like Wisconsin's rink or whatever must be the scariest shit in the world. Because you've got, like, this really, really good program. And you're like, yep, I have to go out there and try to win this game. But I think that might be why I'm not a professional athlete. Well, I can't imagine, like, some of these players that are coming back this year were on Olympic teams. Like, can you imagine being a player on, like, Syracuse or something and being like, I watched you on my television and now I am playing you. Like, what? And that's how I feel about even, like, the NWHL and the CWHL is, like, You've got all ranges of talent. You've got, like, D3 college women's hockey players, and then you've got Olympians. And so, like, how 
must it feel to like line up against one of an Olympian and be like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna guard you. I'm gonna keep you from scoring um, because I am as good of a hockey player as you. I wonder, like uh, talent wise, that's a big gap. But like mentally, I wonder if that could maybe be like something that they're trying to. I mean, if you can play against the best team in in women's hockey and like not completely shut down, like that's got to be good for you, like from a mental perspective, like staying mentally strong in, in tough games. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that like last year, I think the biggest like confidence boost to Robert Morris is they beat. Ohio State in overtime, mm-hmm. like, but they beat a ranked opponent for the first time in forever. And I think that, like, that was a really good confidence boost for the team because you can say, you know, I'm playing against ranked teams, consistently, you know, well-ranked teams, and we can beat them, even if we only beat them once. So maybe this is just to gauge their talent. Maybe it's to gauge their comfort level. Um, and maybe it's just to get out of a conference play where, like, it's kind of easy to get complacent. Mm-hmm. Because if you're only playing against, like, Lindenwood, who was dead last, dead last in shots on goal last year, like, hard last. You know, if you're only playing against people like that, like, you're not going to really improve. And that's nothing against, I feel like I'm on your podcast just trashing every women's podcast. Um, <laughs> this, this is what we do every week. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Listen, you I haven't know, heard just... someone trash someone unless you've listened to the gold medal episode where Hannah just <laughs> rallies against Sydney Morin for like a solid period. If Sydney Morin, if she ever listens to this podcast, I'm going to have to go into hiding. That's my greatest fear. <laughs> Who's going to win this division? Is it going to be RMU? I want it to be RMU. Um, will it necessarily be RMU? I don't know. Um, no, that's a terrible thing to say as someone who is a journalist and just published a piece <laughs> on it. Um, I think they could do it. The biggest thing that Mercyhurst has in their corner is all of those transfers from UND. And they've been on the team for a year now, so they're all returning. They all are all in their comfort zone now. But I think that RMU has a deep pool of talent. I think they have confidence. And I think that they've sort of established themselves as a team to beat in the CHA. And I sometimes think that momentum is, is what matters. Mm-hmm. Now, the the USCHO put out their preseason poll, and Mercyhurst is the only CHA team that's ranked. They got the 10th spot ahead of RMU. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think RMU last year was, was the team that was perpetually in, in the ranking for the CHA, but it, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be in there this year. And I think we, those Mercyhurst and RMU are going to be the two top teams in the CHA, just like until I watch RMU play without Brittany Howard, and I know they have like JC Gebert and all these other players who are, are going to be able to step up and take her place. But until I see them, like for me, Mercyhurst, maybe, I don't know that I would have ranked them ahead of RMU in this poll, but I think they've got an opportunity, especially like with UND players coming in. Yeah. And I think that, I think a big reason why they're in the, in the US, in the 10th spot for the USCHO, I think that like, you know, they did win in the more important time last year. You know, they won in the tournament and they fell in overtime to Clarkson who won the whole thing. So I think that, like, they're obviously a really good team. Um, and I think that RMU has really, really big, big shoes to fill with, with Brittany Howard going. Um, but I think that, I don't know, I just I have a gut feeling that it's mm. going to be, and obviously my gut has never been wrong. Uh, especially about professional sports. Um, 
um, <laughs> no, I think uh, I just I, I feel like there's their schedule is like just balanced enough and that they will have enough momentum. Katie, is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we sign off? Yeah. Otherwise, no, I don't, I don't really have anything else to say. I think that the, uh, the most interesting uh, CHA series to watch are going to be the ones that go out of conference and they're all going to be in October. Um, Cause Robert Morris is playing Clarkson in two weeks. Wisconsin is playing Mercyhurst in two weeks. And then Robert Morris and Mercyhurst play each other. Katie, what's your Twitter? So we can share that. My Twitter is uh, at fourth lines. Can you spell that? Yes. Fourth, F-O-U-R-T-H-L-I-N-E-S. Fourth lines. Oh, I thought you said fork times. <laughs> no, that would be horrible. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that would be a horrible, horrible, horrible. How did you hear it? No, it's like, what am I missing? I was like, this is this very specific hockey, like, handle so i i mean i whatever that's why four times times confused me (laughs) anyway it's fourth lines for everybody not fork tines i'm dying fork tines is the title of this episode (laughs) that's perfect that was our cha preview with fork tines katie thank you for being on and for teaching us everything we need to know about the cha you're welcome my pleasure thank you for having me Uh, this is Nora. She's one of the Ice Garden's newest writers, and she's here to talk to us about the WCHA. I'm here with Nora, and she's here to talk to us about the WCHA. Nora, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. I have to ask, are, uh, you, are you drinking anything tonight for the Top Shop I Podcast? I am not, actually, but I have some um, Rheingeist cider in my fridge. I just moved to Cincinnati, and that seems to be the local brewery here, so I might just crack one open later. Have you had, have you tried it yet? Yeah, no, they have it um, all over the state of Ohio, but you know, I just, it's really cool to be able to drink something that's been made down the road. So I'm trying to expand my cider horizons. So I'm wondering if it's something that I could maybe try and find here, or maybe I'll just have to go to Ohio. If you can find it, I would definitely recommend it. The bubbles is like a rosé, but also a cider and it's bubbly. That sounds amazing. That's fantastic. Uh, I'm actually not drinking anything either, but you know what? That's okay. We can just pretend. (laughs) Um, What's your usual drink of choice? I really am a wine drinker. Oh my God, me too. Yeah, I love red wine. Like a little bit, like a Cabernet Savion is my go-to. I actually have turned into my own grandmother because I drink um, Chardonnay with two ice cubes. (gasps) You put ice in your wine? Yes! Oh, oh my God, she no. she was Quebecois, and of course she. And it's very it's a very French, apparently French Canadian thing to do as well. But um, you have a glass of Chardonnay and you put one or two ice cubes in it, and any more, it's bad. I agree with that. My sister puts ice in her wine all the time, and I just can't. I just can't fathom why. I prefer mine like room temperature. Okay. Can you? All right. <laughs> can you hear Gigi screaming in the background? I can't. No. Okay. Good. She's trying to get me to open the window. She's giving me the look. Uh, my cat is very annoying. Okay. But so now I know which cider to try if I'm ever in Ohio. Uh, let's jump into our NCAA talk. So WCHA, probably one of the stronger conferences in the NCAA. What are some of the top storylines we should be following, especially now that we've got the Olympics 
done with. We're getting some returnees. What what should we be looking for? I was definitely going to say the top storyline this season is Maddie Rooney is back at UMD. Um, so she was gone last season. They went 15 and 16, and she really broke out in the WCHA tournament the year before when she made like 60 stops against Minnesota and like 51 the next day against Wisconsin. You know, she made that behind the back save that was on everybody's highlights. Um, you know, they had a really successful season two years ago and last year they just sort of, they, they got by, um, you know, their goaltender ended up going professional as well, but Maddie Rooney really held the team together and it really shows a lot of difference when you have an elite goaltender like her. And now that she's back, you know, she still has two more years at UMD. So that's going to be something to see. The other thing um, that I would like everyone to watch, because uh, I'm so excited, is Sophie Shirley at Wisconsin. Yes. Yes. So everyone who watched CWHL last year, um, Sophie Shirley had this really unique opportunity. Only a handful of players have had this, where you get to play professionally before you go to college. Um, you know, the two big names who have done that is Poulin, obviously. She played for Canadian before she went to BU. And I think they, Canadian also dressed and Renee Debian for a year, maybe like two two games, maybe, um, for a Clarkson Cup playoff before she went to the University of Wisconsin. But Sophie Shirley um, had the opportunity to play, to skate out to play a whole season for Calgary mm-hmm. Inferno and ended up winning Rookie of the Year because of it. Absolutely deserved. Um, you know, she was 18 years old, straight out of, you know, junior hockey, and she got to play against the girls who have already done four years. Um, and ended up coming, you know, having a really great stat line, coming out very successful. And mm-hmm. now she goes to go back to Wisconsin, arguably one of the most stacked teams in the country, uh, and and suit up for them. Yeah, those are definitely two players and two teams that I'll be keeping a close eye on. And I think I remember um, the WCHA has a conference call every year, and I think UMD's coach said that Maddie looks like a different person than she was a year ago after her centralization and, and winning gold with the Olympic team. You know, it was kind of surprising that um, Alex Rigsby didn't play any minutes in the Olympics, and Rob Stauber relied very heavily on um, Maddie Rooney and um, oh, I'm trying to what's the other goalie's name? Nicole Hensley. Nicole Hensley, yeah, she plays for the Beats now. Um, but he relied so heavily on his younger goalies, and especially on Maddie Rooney when she got the start for the final. I think, I think everyone was a little surprised mm-hmm, that you would yeah. start a 20 year old for the final. But obviously, I mean, she did it. She survived the shootout. Everyone has a gold medal now. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that she's going to be the glue that that holds together UMD. And and they had some seniors leave as well. I know Michelle Dornhill plays for the Whale now, and um, Catherine Dayou plays for Canadien, I think. if They, they haven't released their roster yet, so she might not. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, they're missing some big seniors, and it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do this year. Are we getting a lot of Olympians back in the WCHA? I know uh, we did Hockey East yesterday, and BC is getting a lot of those Olympians back. Are we seeing a lot of players return? Not really, actually. Um, I think BC has sort of taken over the mantle of where big names play in college, um, because the only people that we're getting back in Minnesota is Kelly Panic and Sarah Potomac. Um, mm-hmm. So she was a late cut, and so she just decided to sit out the season rather than return and, and waste a year of her eligibility barely playing any games, um, as well as Amy Podmack, but she didn't actually play last year. Um, this is going to be her first season. And then um, Wisconsin, I think, gets Annie Pankowski and Emily Clark, neither of whom actually played either. 
But, um, you know, they also sat out the season. They got cut, and they're just like, it's not worth it to, to play less than a full season. Right. So that's it. You've got four, five, five to six players, you know, who come back, and, and BC has three on one team. So, you know, Minnesota is looking to attract more high-quality players because when you look down their roster now, you don't see – the super star studded name recognition Minnesota roster of say three to four years ago, but it doesn't mean they're not really, really good. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Besides players like Maddie and Kelly that we might already know, who are other players that we should be keeping an eye on? So one of the most entertaining goalie duos last season was Emma Pelusny and Janine Alder at St. Cloud. They were both freshmen last year um, and they absolutely shut it down. Janine Alder um, from Switzerland, she came in and, and immediately took over that starting spot. Um, and they, they ended up splitting time throughout the year, but they were both, I mean, fantastic. St. Cloud has never been um, a particularly strong program for skaters, but obviously they produced Katie Fitzgerald. So they're very good in there. <laughs> they're doing something, <laughs> in their right? their goalie situation. Yeah. Um, and then sort of, um, sort of a bright spot. Um, Bemidji didn't really have a very good season last year, but um, Claire DeGeorge, ended up getting an invite to team USA camp. Mm. Um, and, and they, you know, they, they skate, they're out there, um, but they're, they don't have the name recognition. They don't have the recruiting appeal that programs like Wisconsin and Minnesota do. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, full disclosure, everybody, I actually um, skated at the club level for Ohio state and I live in Ohio and I was born in Ohio and I will probably die in Ohio. <laughs> um, but I would, I would be remiss in ignoring what Ohio State did last year. Um, so they have, have never been very flashy as a program. You know, they've gotten up to number four, number five rank. Um, also a reminder for people here that um, the WCHA is seven teams. It used to be eight. It used to be the home of dearly departed University of North Dakota. Um, but now mm -hmm. they only have seven teams. Um, Ohio State has got it turned around in the last couple of years. They finally have a stable coach. They finally know what they're going to do with recruiting. They have the program turned around. They ended up getting, being number two overall, first NCAA tournament appearance, frozen four appearance after shutting out BC, mm -hmm. final rank number four. Juliana Yaflo went pro. Huge, huge season for Ohio State. And, you know, they're returning Emma Malte and Tatum Skaggs, who, in my humble, extremely Ohio State opinion, <laughs> The second coming of Natalie Spooner and Laura McIntosh. Oh, wow. High yes, praise. I'll say it. I will say it. I am on the record. Okay. I, I'm like going to be paying extremely close attention now because you can't just drop like Natalie Spooner's name and, and like, that's hot. Those are big skates to fill. Those are, but I think that Emma Malte can do it. Um, you know, she's had U18 appearances for Canada. She's looking for U22 appearances for Canada. I think she was the top producer at Ohio state last season. If not, you know, in the top five or whatever. So um, definitely in the top three. Who am I kidding? Um, yeah. Nope, she was the top producer at Ohio State last year. She had 40 points on the season, which wow. is ridiculous. Um, and, and with what the stability that their program has and, and um, you know, the, the energy that they have and, and especially their location. So, I mean, the state of Michigan, you know, as much as we have a, a longstanding rivalry with the state of Michigan, they don't have any D1 programs mm -hmm. in the state. Mm -hmm. They don't. Um, so Ohio State has been very successful in recruiting girls out of Michigan to play for them. Now, I've got an OSU question for you. Cassidy Save no longer oh, with the team. So yeah. how, how's that going to play out in goal? So, I mean, they ha you know, they have girls to be in goal. 
Um, but um, that was that was a, a huge hit for them this summer. Um, so Cassie Save decided that she wasn't going to play at Ohio State anymore. Um, and she, because of her double hip surgery a couple of years ago, um, had finished how her academic career. And so she was a graduate transfer. So um, she decided after taking shot after shot after shot at Ohio State, um, I mean, she was the program's total shot leader after three years of playing, oh which is God. really says a lot about what she did. Yeah. yeah, no, she took a lot of shots. And, um, you know, I, I heard from her that, not personally, obviously, we're not friends. Um, she was way too cool to be friends with me. No. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, she would sit out practice Monday and Tuesday after a weekend of games. Wow. And, wow. yeah. And so, you know, it sucks to see her go to Clarkson, especially after Clarkson beat Ohio State in the Frozen Four. Mm-hmm. But she has on the record saying, I want to play for Canada. I want to play professionally. And Clarkson's last three goalies are Shea Tiley, who went, you know, second overall to Toronto. Um, no, she went in the first round because Sarah Nurse went second overall to Toronto. But, you know, she went in the first round of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, Erica Howe, who is has a lockdown in Markham, and Lauren Dom, who is doing her best. In- <laughs> She's doing what she can. <laughs> Worcester, yeah. Listen, I love Lauren Dom so much. Uh, um, same, same. But Clearly, they have their their goalie staff just absolutely elite in Clarkson. You're going to have a lot fewer shots you're taking. Um, you know, she's closer to Buffalo Buttes if they want to pick somebody else up, which I don't know if yeah. they're going to do. She's yeah. close to Toronto. She's close to Markham. You know, she she's close to Hockey Canada scouts. You know, she's going to get that exposure that she wants. Definitely. That that was a big shock for me for sure when she left. But I I think. As much as it hurts me, she's going to do well at Clarkson. She will, yeah. And I haven't actually been to the rink um, recently because I've moved from Columbus. But um, she used to be on the door of the rink. It said, Cassie Sauvé, All-American. So, you know, I know they've put up their Frozen Four appearances banner. And I, (laughs) it's going to suck if she's still on the door. It's going to be a really bad reminder. A little awkward. for those of you who haven't seen a game at Ohio State, um, the players don't actually have their locker room in the um, ice arena. They have it across the hall, and they lay down a rubberized mat, and you go in that door to oh. play. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. It's going to be tough for them. But I think that, um, you know, obviously they recruit well enough. They're going to have somebody who can, you know, physically take up that space in net, but you can't replace uh, a goalie of her caliber easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which team do you think has the biggest upset potential? We know a lot about, we hear a lot about Minnesota and Wisconsin. Those are the two big name teams. Who else do you think maybe has the chance to surprise some people this year? Um, you know, we just sort of talked a little bit about Ohio State, and Ohio State, obviously, they could surprise people this year, but I think UMD as well. Um, no one's really sure what to expect out of them. Obviously, they have Matty Rooney back, but you, are they going to be able to keep down the shots? Are they going to be able to produce offense? Um, so I, I think that, you know, they're going to be, they could be the number three, number four team. They could surprise everybody. Um, Mm -hmm. and somebody could upset the division again, obviously. Um, you know, there's a final face off and, um, you know, we saw what happened in hockey East last year where BC went down, where, you know, Mm -hmm. Maine ended up Mm -hmm. winning a bunch and Northeastern ended up taking the conference. So that could happen this year in the WCHA. We don't know. Yeah, for sure. And UMD is a program that I think has had success in the past. Like, they're not oh, yeah. off people's radar. I mean, they pre- Carolyn Willett went to UMD. Yeah. So, um, 
but yeah, no, they've, they've been very successful in the past. They've been very good at recruiting. So, um, I, I can expect them to turn in. A, I don't expect them to fall to the bottom of the standings is what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Okay. Here's the big question. Who's winning the division prediction? It's Wisconsin's to lose. Okay. It really is. Um, you know, they have some of the best players in the country on their roster right now. Um, so they obviously have Andy Pankowski. She's back for her senior season. Um, you have Kristen Campbell in net, who was really good at UND, and she found a nice landing place in Wisconsin. Um, Abby Brock had 41 yeah. points on her sophomore season, which is ridiculous. Um, Sophie Shirley, obviously she's coming into Wisconsin. You know, you look down Wisconsin's roster and you're like, oh man. Um, Presley Norby, she's there again. Um, you know, they're 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 going to turn in a very good season. And like I said, it's, it's theirs to lose. Um, you know, Minnesota could challenge them for it. Ohio State could challenge them for it. Bemidji could challenge them for it. But, um, you know, they definitely have a roster where you're looking at it and you're like, wow, every single one of these girls could start right now. I mean, you're saying all these names, you're just like rattling them off. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, yeah. it just, it's just, they just, the depth, not only the skill they have, but the depth of that skill is just wild. Right. Yeah. So... It's it's going to be a tough season to be someone who's not Wisconsin. <laughs> It'll be entertaining, though. I'm excited. This is a division that I'm really excited to watch because I just... Right, yeah. Because, and not to toot my own favorite conference's horn, but if you win the WCHA, you are probably going to go to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an exaggeration to say that. Like, you know, for years it was Wisconsin and Minnesota trading national championships, and they won the WCHA first before they had the national championship. Right. So yeah, it's, it's a tough conference. It really is. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you think is important that people should know before we let you go? Absolutely. So Minnesota Whitecaps, um, they're floating around this conference. They, yeah. um, they're playing Minnesota state, which should be an interesting game because Minnesota state actually pulled a win out over them last year. They're playing Ohio state January, I want to say fourth and fifth in Columbus. So that's a great game to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is, yeah, January 4th and 5th, maybe 5th and 6th, but, you know, it's going to be a good series to see. They've already played UMD. You know, if you want to see good hockey, not just the Minnesota Whitecaps, I think the WCHA is the best conference in the country, um, and I think they're going to prove it this year. Hot take, spicy take, I think <laughs> that a WCHA team is going to beat Clarkson this year and take home a national Ooh. championship. Yes, I, you heard it here first, folks. I don't think I don't think it, that's a super hot take. I mean, Clarkson is. I think it's spicy because Clarkson won the last two in a row. I agree. I I would say I would say it's a spicy take for sure. But I mean, it's been so close though, right? Like and like you said, with with the WCHA, it's Wisconsin's to lose. But whoever comes out of this conference is going to have been playing just top end teams all season, and that's what you have to do if you're going to go up against a powerhouse like Clarkson. Right, and you know, even out of conference, Ohio State is hosting Colgate, and yeah, you know. Not this weekend, but uh, next, I think. So that's going to be fun to watch. You know, you've got all these out-of-conference games. Yeah, you get to play each other in conference, but, you know, you get to play some really good teams out-of-conference as well. Sorry if there's any Clarkson fans listening to the podcast, but... Um... Clarkson fans, let me know where you want to fight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on that note, I think we're going to wrap things up. Nora, thank you so much for talking to us about the WCHA. Oh. Thanks for having me. Um, let me know when else you want to get 
have me back on to talk about um, how I love Ohio State so much. <laughs> um, that sounds wonderful. Where can people follow you on Twitter if they want to hear you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Flurry de Rose. I will spell that for you. F-L-E-U-R-I-D-E-R-O-S-E-S. Um, and you can also follow me on Tumblr.hell at maybe <laughs> JessVella.tumblr.com. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Thanks again. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our NCAA spectacular episode. I know we had a good time. We had a good time recording it for sure. Spectacular. Spectacular. We need a confetti like sound effect. I don't know what that would sound like. Uh, I don't, it probably wouldn't make noise, a lot of noise because confetti is pretty quiet. Like a, like a noisemaker. Yes. Okay. Exactly like that. That's that was we, our we spectacular. Don't need, we don't need a sound effect. We have that. Yeah, we have me. I'm the noise maker. <laughs> Michelle, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at, at Michelle underscore J-A-Y three. And where can we find you? You can find me at Hannah underscore Beavis one B-E-V-I-S. Uh, we're on Patreon. If you're already a patron, thank you very much for supporting the show. If you're not... Every little bit helps us compensate for us us for our time and help us buy new equipment. It's the Ice Garden Podcast Network on Patreon, and we're there with our sister show, uh, The Founding Four Podcast, with Mike Murphy and Erica Ayala, and they talk about the NWHL. It's a fabulous show. You should listen to them if you listen to us. Um, we didn't do a mailbag or any of our bonus stuff this episode because we wanted to have time to talk about all our preview stuff, but in the future... If you want to have mailbag questions answered, tweet them at Michelle and I using the hashtag Top Shelf Mailbag. Um, also, if you're watching the show and you want to take a selfie, use the hashtag Top Shelfie. Start Bench Cut, where we take three players and talk about who we would start, who we'd eventually we'd cut. Tweet those at us. Uh, if you have trivia questions that you want Michelle and I to answer for the Stump Hannah questions, uh, tweet those at us. DM those to us so we can't go onto each other's Twitter and find out the answers ahead of time. Uh, I know that I've got one. I got one today. So I, I, will be, I will be saving that, putting that in my bag of tricks for the next time we do that segment. Um, I believe that's all we've got for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll, we'll be back next week with an NWHL preview episode. So we will see you then. Bye. 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 It's so appropriate that we end with a hiccup. I know. I tried to swallow it and it didn't work. <laughs> just embrace it. Like, I it's know. just a thing now. I just felt weird ending on a hiccup. <laughs>